there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels. Let's go. This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization. If you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, web mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com com slash free fill out the two-minute form and you will not regret it literally zero downside unlimited potential for growth so do yourself a favor revenue driven cmo.com slash free no hyphens no punctuations you will be happy about that decision hello everybody welcome to another exciting episode of revenue driven cmo i am your main man chris mechanic here and we've got a really good one for you today Super excited to be speaking with today's guest. She's an award-winning product marketing leader with over 10 years of experience building and scaling product marketing teams. She was former VP of strategy at Unbounce, which is a really awesome company in the landing page and post-click experience that I admire and have for a long time, uh, as well as VP of product marketing and lifecycle at Kajabi. Today, she is founder at PMM Camp, which is a community specifically for product marketing leaders. So I'm super duper excited to get into it with her. I think this will be a great one, but welcome to the show, Ms. Tamara Grominski. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's super exciting to have you here on a, on a nice uh, fall Monday here in the Baltimore area. Where are you geographically today? I am in Vancouver, Canada. It's also a beautiful fall day here. The sun is shining. I can see the Pacific Ocean. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I started snowing in other parts of Canada today, so I'm thankful to be here instead. Nice. Well, that's awesome. All right, Tamara. So you know we like to lead with the value and get right into it. So why don't you share with everybody, like, what is one of your best-kept secrets to success in, uh, in marketing? Yeah. So I think one of my best-kept secrets is that I actually don't believe that product marketing is marketing. I think that it is strategy. And I always say like the path to leadership for a product marketer, it could be a CMO, but it doesn't have to be. And actually, there's so many more opportunities available to you. Like you can go the CPO path, the CSO path. And so I think when you think about product marketing with that change, so it not being marketing, but it being strategy instead, it all of a sudden changes the different things and activities that you do as a product marketer. And I think that naturally, it just elevates your work and the impact of your work. Interesting. 
So, so for a product marketer today, you're saying basically, Hey, CMO is not the only, the only path for you. So there's CSO, which I guess is chief strategy officer yeah. and then CPO. Does that, is that chief people officer or chief product officer, chief product officer? Okay. Yeah. So I think like when you think about product marketing, many people historically have thought about it as like a product manager puts the product on the shelf, the product marketer gets the product off the shelf, right? Mm-hmm. And does that usually entail? That entails some marketing. That's like a channel strategy, maybe enabling a sales force or a go-to-market team. And yes, those are all components of product marketing, but they're not the only components. And I would argue they're not even the most important components. But, you know, the style of product marketing I adhere to, which is strategic product marketing, we actually partner with product managers from the beginning. So we're there from the discovery process, actually feeding insights into what we're going to build. And I think when you take that approach to product marketing, you're doing activities like market research, uh, segmentation, pricing and packaging, message testing and value testing early. And like, how do we take value testing and then understand what customers want? And then feed that into product discovery instead of writing the value prop at the end of the product development process. So it's kind of switching everything on its head, but I think it makes it a more interesting job. And I've seen that like the fruits of that are way better than if you're just thinking about it as like a marketing execution role. Mm. Okay. So this is okay. So now I'm I'm definitely following. So so just to just to really kind of demonstrate the contra- the contrast between these two things. So like what would a traditional product marketing person or team do versus what is like your style of product marketing? Yeah, so I think let's say we have a product launch coming up, a more marketing focused or traditional product marketing role would a brief that was prepared by the product manager. And they would take that brief and then basically build a launch plan. So they would say, um, here is the main message for how we want to bring that to market. Here's the channels where we want to amplify this. Maybe it's going to be a customer channel, like an email. Maybe it's going to be a market-facing channel, like social media or press release. They're going to you know, manage the stakeholder team that is going to prepare all of those creative assets. And they're going to make sure that all of those creative assets have like the same messaging, that it all works together. They're going to make sure it all goes live on launch day. So it's Meanwhile, kind of like a yeah. it's kind of like a copywriting role in a way. They're the not traditional way to do it. Doing the copy though, they're more guiding the development of the copy. They're doing the messaging, right? Yeah. Um, and then working with the creative teams really hand in hand to make sure that it all feels cohesive. But, you know, the teams that I run, sometimes that's part of the role, but it's only like 10% of the role. 90% of the role is we're actually sitting more with product teams or with finance teams. And so we would be instead, you know, months earlier in that process, we would doing market research. Maybe we've done some competitive research or some market sizing or talking to customers, whatever it might be. We actually might bring an insight to the product team. And we might say, hey, there's actually a gap in the market right now and we think we could fill it. Or we're hearing this from customers when they're churning. And if we were able to fill that value, we think we could retain more customers and actually move the needle on that business metric. 
We yeah. work with the product managers to scope out a solution. And while the product managers are working with engineers to actually build that solution, assuming we're at like a software company here, the product yeah. marketer is actually going to be running things like a beta program. So getting early adopters into the program, understanding what that value is, testing messaging around that value. My teams have actually identified like, hey, um, this value would be prioritized over that value. So we'll actually work with the product managers to redesign or reprioritize their roadmaps so that we're building the most important things first, rather than kind of coming in at that end point. Mm-hmm. Um, I got you now. So it sounds like in traditional, in the traditional world, there was all this work done to create a product, mm-hmm. and then that product was launched, and maybe it would work, maybe not. Exactly. But in this world, it's like you know, there's a lot more focus on the customers, on the markets, and yeah. it sounds like there's sort of a ready, fire, aim type of approach where you're like putting something out early on just to get it into people's hands so that you can get some of that really valuable feedback. Totally. It's all about validating that value as fast as possible and then iterating based on the feedback. Interesting. Yeah, the world of product marketing is a little bit foreign to me, I'll be honest with you. That's okay. That's why I'm here. (laughs) Yeah, because I came up, you know, mostly like I was an SEO to start. uh, And then we quickly got into like paid media, we got into analytics and conversion rate optimization. But how do you think, like, like, how could a really excellent product team? like help out with other areas like demand gen? Like Mm -hmm. how do you get involved with those other areas? Totally. There is actually a ton of overlap and it kind of goes both ways. So for example, with demand gen, that's a great place to start. Um, If you're a great product marketer, product manager, you understand exactly who the ideal customer is for your product, then you can really empower that demand gen team to make sure they have the right targeting criteria, they have the right value propositions, the right messages that we know land in the market. And that I found when we can enable those teams really well, then they can do a better job at making sure that the people they're attracting are like the right fit customer and will actually convert, right? Because we want to attract not just anyone, we want to attract people who are going to come to the homepage and actually convert. And right. so working with PMM will ensure that, but also I've worked with demand gen to funnel insights back into me. So maybe I have a couple of hypotheses around, hey, there's three different value propositions. I'm actually not quite sure which one the market would prefer. Can we test all three of them? And I'll work with the demand gen team to build landing pages, different ad sets, and we'll run that. And they'll come back to me and say, well, yeah, this value proposition was actually the most compelling for this market segment. And then we can use that to bring back to the product team as well. So it actually goes both ways. There's tons of learning we can do. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think that uh, like, because sometimes what, what works really well on the front end, like on the website, doesn't necessarily translate that well into yes. actual revenue, right? Yeah. Like on the back end, um, does, is is that something that product marketing is involved with also like the sell through rates and like things like average customer value by different products or by different channels? Absolutely. It kind of depends on the go-to-market motion. So if you're in a sales-led go-to-market motion, more enterprise business, the product marketer would definitely be working with sales enablement or doing sales enablement themselves to make sure that the value that we're selling the entire time is 
you know, accurate to the value that the customer is actually going to experience post-sale. We would be working with the sales teams to see like, where are we losing deals and how do we increase win rate or how do we compete against specific competitors that we may be losing out to? So we'll do things like build battle cards or help the sales teams know what landmines to avoid or when to bring up very specific differentiators or even when to be like, yeah, we're not going to win that at all. Just be honest and let the customer choose. Uh, in more of a PLG, like product-led motion, we're really working closer with product teams to make sure that the whole self-serve experience for the customer is accurate and has the right value props at the right time in the journey. So whether that's coming to the homepage, starting a free trial, the onboarding experience of that trial, again, all with the goal of increasing conversion rate into a paying customer. And then in our scenario, once someone is a paying customer in our customer base, usually product marketing is uh, accountable for driving upsell and expansion, not alone, but we'll work with the right team. So again, in more of an enterprise motion, you're going to be working with the account managers probably uh, to identify what types of customers would be great to move up to a new package, or maybe there's a new feature coming out that we want to add as an add-on. We'll work with the account manager to make sure we're selling that into the right customer. Or in yeah. a PLG model, then we're working with the customer lifecycle team. Sometimes that actually sits within product marketing, like mine did at Kajabi. And there, we're running programs all the time to make sure that people are adopting the products, are um, expanding based on the usage of those products, and with the goal of either, you know, extending the tenure with us, but ideally also increasing the average order. Yeah. Yeah. So you've had an amazing career so far um, and you're still relatively early on, yeah. it seems, um, but Unbounce, Kajabi, like those are two amazing, uh, well, not only amazing products, but also like amazing marketing teams. What would you say some of like your more transformative experiences are? Like, I, I want you to tell me a story of something that happened at Unbounce or Kajabi where you like really kind of learned a lot and took a lot from it into your, you know, into the inde endeavors that you're doing now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one that stands out was on my time at Unbounce. So when I joined Unbounce, it was in 2018. It was a fully bootstrapped company at that point. They've been around for just around a decade. And they were seeing what a lot of companies see when they're bootstrapped like that, which was a bit of a plateauing growth. But they knew that the customer or the product was great, customers were happy, and we knew we had higher growth ambitions. So we actually, uh, one of my very first challenges, I guess there was to help support the team to raise a round of funding. So we decided that we wanted to- I didn't know they go, were bootstrapped for that long. Yeah, they were 10 years. And you know very, Ollie. very small like angel investments, but I'm going to call it fully bootstrapped because it pretty much was. I'm sure you know Ollie, right? Yeah, Ollie, exactly. There are six co-founders. So I know Ollie well. Um, and it was around this time where, again, like these six co-founders are like, yeah, we gave this company 10 years. They were all, you know, starting to explore their own passion projects. And so there really was this wave of, I'm going to say new management. So an opportunity for people who were operators of the business, not necessarily founders, to take a more leadership role. And then how do we, really the challenge was, how do we get everyone on the same page? How do we actually build a strategy that we can then sell to get money to accelerate our growth? <laughs> and so for me, uh, product marketing is so cross-functional. And you kind of sit at the really the middle of many decisions. And so 
that was a turbulent time, but also a very satisfying time for me because I really needed to work with like every single stakeholder at the business to make sure that we were building the strategy. And you kind of are moving some puzzle pieces around without it coming across like you're manipulating everyone or um, you're trading, you know, horse trading here and there. And so it's like, how do we get everyone on the same page building one cohesive strategy, but also make sure that everyone feels like they also got what they want out of this and that like they're equally committed to the strategy that we're all coming together on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that uh, you said just now that stuck out is the very cross-functional nature of product marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason that that kind of stuck out in my mind is because normally the guests that we have here are CMOs. Mm -hmm. And one thing that they often talk about like I had a guest uh, just recently, I don't even, it hasn't been published yet, but he said, you have to be a special type of lunatic to want to be a CMO because it's just like so many things, you know, like in one minute you're sitting with sales and the next minute you're sitting with the product team, yeah. the third minute you're pitching to raise, you know, a round of capital. So it's so cross-functional. So why do you think that that CMO is not necessarily like, the most logical destination for a product marketer? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think in some businesses with some go-to-market motions, it could be totally fine for a CMO to have product marketing and be a product marketer. I think what I have a challenge with is there was always kind of like the default. And I just think that it's a much bigger question than that. So first, (laughs) I don't always believe that product marketing should sit in marketing. I think it actually, in my ideal world, should be a completely unbiased entity. And so uh, it shouldn't sit in product. It shouldn't sit in marketing. Ideally, it sits its own thing. Maybe it's strategy. When I was at Unbounce, I ran the strategic growth department, and that's where product marketing sat. And it allowed us to make really unbiased, good decisions for both the business and the customer without me having to worry about like, oh, my boss is the head of marketing or my boss is the head of product. Who am I going to upset? Yeah. That's number one is that if you're the type of product marketer and perhaps you're not growing up in a marketing team, well, it doesn't really make sense for you to become a CMO. The second one is I think that to be a really great CMO, you need to know a lot of different things about marketing. And it's very difficult for you to know all of the things about marketing and all of the things about product. And if you only skew towards the marketing side of things, then you're probably missing major gaps. And so I think when you kind of free yourself from that and say like, what does it take to be a good product marketing leader? You need to understand how products are built and like deeply understand how products are built. You need to be able to speak to engineers, to technical employees. You need to be able to plan across many different time horizons, 12 months, one to three years, three years and beyond. You need to build business cases and understand like financial impacts. Some of those skills are more suited to like a chief strategy officer, chief product officer, not because the CMO can't do those things, but the CMO has so many other things they also need to excel at that this kind of allows you to maybe lean more into your zone of genius. Mm -hmm. I love that term, zone of genius. Like for me, for example, like I'm not good at demand gen. I'm not good at SEO. I'm not super great at channel strategy. And so... Uh, I'm a really great product marketer. I've been an executive for many years, but for me to try to fit myself into the CMO box, I would not be the best CMO. And so it's right. almost what role or title will allow me to be the best version of myself, right? And that's a role where I then have a counterpart who's really great at all of those other things. 
And so that's how I think about it. And I think we should really just be thinking more about our own skill sets and about the conditions that will create success for us and not trying to like fit into these little boxes that corporate has had around for 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. So I guess that's the message is like, hey, look, if you're a product marketer right now, CMO might be a destination, but it's certainly not the only destination. Exactly. Exactly. And think critically about the teams that you want to spend the most amount of time with, the impact and metrics that you want to move in the org, and like the things that light you up every day. Because if you're spending, if you're CMO and you're spending 50% of your day, you know, looking at ad copy or creative or channel strategy, and you'd rather be spending 50% of your day in product team meetings, like you're always going to be unhappy. And so it's just a bit of self-reflection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also there's a lot of demand gen folks, like a lot of media buyers, a lot of SEOs, uh, a lot of even developers, honestly, that I've met over the years that have a specific sort of um, inclination toward things, some of the things that you're talking about. Like, like, like I've met a lot of media buyers that are quick to say, like, why don't we put a survey on this landing page that triggers on exit intent so that we can like understand, you know, why people aren't converting? Yeah. Um, so I think maybe even some people that are more on the demand gen side of marketing might even look into product marketing. Totally. I totally. think it's like a big sort of question mark uh, for a lot of demand gen focused marketers. Like they're like, yeah, we have some product marketers on our team, but like, I'm not totally sure like what they do or like what I'm supposed to be doing versus them. Totally. It's true. So, um, so it might be an interesting path even for, you know, some some uh, non-product focused digital marketers to look into because it sounds like a lot of fun. It, in my opinion, biased, it's the best role. <laughs> yeah. Um, but honestly, like what I love about product marketing is like you don't go to school to be a product marketer, right? And so anyone that you talk to that isn't product marketing, they've usually fallen into it in some way. And there's a couple traditional paths. Like a lot of people have their MBA and then they go into product marketing because it's very easy. A lot of people tried the more technical route. So they're either a developer or maybe they went into the product management space first, but realized they actually love the go-to-market side more. So they ended up. A lot yeah. of people at the marketing side or storytelling side, brand side. And so I think for sure, like a demand gen role where there is a lot of technical expertise required there, there's a natural fit there for them in product marketing. Um, you know, a lot of experimentation, a lot of validation, like we talked about, a lot of optimization, all of those things usually excite demand gen managers when I've talked to them. So, yeah. And demand gen typically plays like at the top of the funnel, right? Like the main goal is to drive traffic and awareness and leads, but oftentimes their responsibility stops like after the conversion, right? Um, However, really good demand gen uh, teams like are always asking about this down funnel stuff, Apple. but it's not necessarily considered to be their, you know, OKR. For instance, like a lot of them are are primarily judged based on the the very top of the funnel. How do you measure the effectiveness of a product marketing team? Like, is it usually at the top of the funnel, at the bottom of the funnel, in the middle, all of the above? 
It's a great question. And I would say it definitely depends on the go-to-market motion and the business goals. So typically we try to align to the top level business OKRs as much as possible. Um, but so most of my experience has been in more PLG led companies. And so the metrics that my team measures first, usually adoption. That's a key one because we know that adoption of our product is good for retention. It's good for overall engagement. It's good for getting expansion, especially if you have a value-based pricing model. And so one of usually my product teams, I'll often assign them by product portfolio. So a product marketer will have a product portfolio that they're responsible for. And their top level OKR is going to be around adoption and penetration of that product line. Mm -hmm. So that would mean any new feature or product that is released into that product line, they're going to have a specific campaign or launch target around that. So for example, mm -hmm. we launch it in March, by the end of the year, we want 20% adoption within the customer base of that feature. That would be like annual OKR they might have. Yeah. And then a lot of pricing and packaging, like we talked about earlier. So expansion opportunities, right? So are we able to get a percentage of people to upgrade to annual? Are we able to run campaigns to get people to move up to the next tier? Are we constantly doing pricing adjustments to play around with that to see what the, the might ratio might be? And then top of funnel, one of my very favorite metrics that I love to give to my product marketing team is percent of our segmented customers that are coming into trial. So, or you could say into win, win deals or anything, depending on the model. Again, I'm more PLG focused. So for me, it's like, great, we get 10,000 trialers this month. Do we even care about those 10,000 customers or are only a hundred of them good? And so I always work with the top of funnel teams to make sure that they have a really clear understanding of our ICP, our target customer segments, and then have the data in place. We can say, okay, today, only 40% of all trialers fit our ICP. What activities will we do as a product marketing team with a marketing team to change that and shift that. So that could be campaigns, it could be homepage messaging, it could be new buying flows, it could be partnerships. And when we think about the impact of all of those, we're looking to move that major like needle so that we're saying, okay, maybe by the end of the year, now it's 45% of all trialers are segmented. So that would be like a good top on a metric. Gotcha. Okay, so micro question alert here real yeah. quick. So, in your world, uh, does the product marketing team, uh, like, are they owning the website? Like you'd mentioned like homepage messaging, like, are they basically just like guiding the messaging and maybe writing some copy or maybe approving the messaging or are they actually in the website sometimes? Like usually they're not in the website. Yeah, so usually this would be owned by the marketing team. Even if a product marketing team was in the marketing org, we would not own the website unless we're talking yeah. a very small organization. But let's say we're assuming you have at least 100 employees or more. You have an actual marketing team. We're not going to manage the website. What we will do is we will manage, we will build messaging frameworks that the team can use and we may work with certain folks on the team to run experiments. So we might say, hey, we feel like this value proposition would be more compelling. Let's test that on the website. I or um, we would probably have heavy influence over the product pages on the website. Yeah, right. uh, but again, we would prepare a brief with the messaging. The copywriter and designer would kind of take it away and they have kind of creative oversight over that. Got it. And then the same, so like you mentioned campaigns. Mm -hmm. So say it was an email campaign, like you guys aren't actually in the email software, like 
building the lists and drafting the emails it's it's similar to what you just described where you're like working alongside the marketing team to do that ideally ideally there are some organizations though that do think of product marketers as executional marketers like that which kind of goes back to how we started the episode around yes they can do that but the time is better spent elsewhere on more high impact activities yeah it's so convoluted isn't it like so um, i know you know there's like demand gen product leads there's media buyers or searchers copywriters (laughs) it's like but all the tech is like relatively easy to use you know like generally updating the text on the homepage is like just a matter of typing like the same way you would in in a google doc so it's not like so i think that's maybe why it's become so convoluted because it's not necessarily like you know it used to be that you had to know some html and some CSS, maybe. Totally. That's not so much the case anymore. Well, hey, I want to talk about PMM Camp. Yeah. That's really exciting. And congratulations to you, by the way, because I'm always energized when people take the leap officially and, you know, quit their nine to fives and and go on and do their own thing. So props on that first and foremost. Thank you. Um, but tell us the founding story. Like what made you want to do it? Originally, what was the, you know, what was kind of the aha moment or the impetus? Sure. So I've always been passionate about advocating for product marketers. And this goes back years. I've done tons of conference talks. I've helped in some of the early stages of doing salary surveys, just really trying to elevate and amplify the role of product marketing. And um, through that, I've had the opportunity to connect with so many product marketers and really started to identify that there's a couple needs. One of them is that it's a very lonely role. It's lonely. It's misunderstood. There's not a lot of us, really. Like We're still in the early stages of product marketing. And so especially when you think about someone that's like mid-career or above, it starts to get lonelier and lonelier. And then when we think about that mid-career product marketer, someone that's like maybe a senior PMM or above, there isn't a lot of content or material for them, right? There's tons of entry-level material available. There's tons of communities for folks who are just getting into product marketing or just trying to figure out the basics or foundations. But those kind of drown out the few people who have really in-depth questions. And because there's not that many of us, it's like, where do you go for help? It's a lot of peer-to-peer as opposed to like peer-to-business or peer-to-organization. So I started to see this need, started to see people were saying the same thing. And at the time, um, I had already kind of played around with creating some educational material. I had two courses that I had produced. I loved the feedback loop from folks around, you know, they took my course, they felt like it helped, but I felt like there was a long feedback loop there. They take the course, it was self-paced. Maybe I'd hear back, maybe I wouldn't. And so I started right. to think about like, what would it be like if I could engage with my customers, let's call them, or other product marketers on a more regular basis. And so I was actually working at Kajabi at the time, which Kajabi is a platform for creators who want to build digital products. I actually went there because I was really cared about this industry. And I knew that I probably wanted to build a creator business. And I wanted that free education of like, how do the best creators do it? 
So I went to Kajabi, super motivating to wake up every day and work with these customers who are making a ton of money owning their own businesses. So made the leap in December of last year. And I started with a newsletter. It's a free newsletter, but it solved the problem of like shortening that feedback loop. So every week I send out the newsletter and it's basically like one strategic principle of product marketing and how to apply it in a practical way. And really great because all of a sudden people could respond back to me in a minute instead of having to take my whole course and then maybe not hearing back from them. Right. And more and more I started talking to people, I started to realize that it was great to be able to talk me to them, but they also wanted to talk to each other. And so that's where the idea for the community came about. So I launched the community in March and I kind of took the the best product marketing principles to launch it. I did a survey ahead of time. I tested willingness to pay, feature preference. I started with like a founding member cohort of a beta program. That's I awesome. That. Like I used all my product marketing best practices. Um, and then in about the spring of this year, really the business just took off. I was seeing so much momentum, so much demand for the product and the knowledge that I was sharing. And, you know, I'm sure many people who've made the leap start to have this experience where you wake up in the morning and you're more excited to work on your own business and maybe the business that's paying the bills. And so I just decided to take the leap. Um, life is short. And I felt like momentum was rolling. Nice. That's awesome. That's great. That's a cool story. So you actually had started this and had this going while having your full-time room. Exactly. Yeah. Which and is the smart way, way to do it. Yeah. Laying the groundwork because I wanted to prove that A, there was a market need. I wanted to narrow down on the exact target market and I wanted to build some repeatable and sustainable revenue, right? Like I didn't have the luxury of just quitting my job with no money coming in. And right. so- I got to the point where I'm certainly not replacing my tech salary yet, but I got to the place where I can, I feel confident in the growth numbers and I feel confident in what I do have. And knowing that, okay, if this is what I'm able to accomplish with just working nights and weekends, what if I could do it full time? And you kind of have to have that belief and that bet in yourself. Like if you're not going to bet in yourself, no one else will. So I took yeah. the leap knowing that I'll figure it out. And, and now already the business has evolved. So I still have the newsletter, but the newsletter is growing fast. I now have sponsors, which is really great to have businesses that want to get in front of product marketers who will sponsor a newsletter edition. My community is now up to over 100 members. We have over 100 people on the wait list. I actually only open up membership four times a year for that to make sure they can really control the experience of that for all of the members. And now I've added a new product, uh, coaching. So one of the things that came out of these conversations was folks were like, this is great, but I actually want to go a level deeper. Or, you know, maybe I'm a senior PMN, but I report into someone who's the CMO or the VP of marketing, and they don't quite know what product marketing is. Like, can you help coach me? So now I'm, I have a handful of coaching clients where I help them both, you know, build their career plans, but also work on the projects that they're working on right now, whether it's a brief for a big tier one launch, or maybe a Q4 planning session or a pricing project. So, you know, yeah, how it is really an cool. entrepreneur, you're kind of always dabbling, seeing what the next product will be. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. And you seem to be particularly well-suited to dabble, quote unquote, right? Because it's not yeah. so much dabbling in your case. It's probably more like testing strategically what's working and what's not. Definitely. Um, so the newsletter is pretty clear. Coaching is pretty clear. But what does the community entail exactly? Yeah, that's a great question. So the community is 
a space. I actually built it on Kajabi communities, but there's a ton of community products out there like Circle or Disco that are all fairly similar. I use Kajabi because I worked on that product and believe in it. And so basically as a community member, you pay a monthly membership fee to be a part of PMM Camp and you get access to a few things. So first is the community hub, which is similar to all of these products. So 24-7, you can log in. There's a ton of different chats or circles going on at any time. So we have one around asking for advice. We have one around sharing resources. One actually for specifically for product marketing entrepreneurs who are also working on their own thing. Uh, one for you know help with getting jobs. So a ton of different chats that you can go into to ask a question, support someone out. And that's 24 seven. Then we also have meetups that I run and I run a variety of meetups throughout the month. One is called product marketing collab, where basically anyone can join from the community. And then whoever's there, we break up into small groups and we all help each other with our work. So it's like a collab, which is so fun. It's like, where else can you join a hundred other product marketing directors and get director level of feedback? Right. Yeah. So that's really cool. And it's very unplanned. Like you can come with a question or you can just come to participate. And everyone always walks away from that, like super energized, connected with a good idea to implement. And then I'll have Inside PMM. So that's a series where we focus on a product marketing leader who's either in the community or sometimes I'll bring in someone outside the community and they walk us through what their PMM team looks like. How are they set up and structured? What are their OKRs? What are the projects they're working on? Because again, it's a very nebulous thing and it really is different at every company. And so getting these different exposures and perspectives is super helpful. Mm-hmm. My third meetup type is uh, learning sessions, as I call them. So I'll bring in an expert. Again, it could be a community member, could be someone out in the wild, and they'll come in and teach us something. So this Wednesday, actually, we have someone coming in and we're going to talk about value-based pricing and how we can run that in our own businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we, we had AI for product marketers, like what are the AI tools out there that we could use and how do we use it specifically for product marketing use cases? Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's Very kind of cool. what's and bolts of it. Well, that's awesome. Tamara, congratulations. Thank Sounds you. Really and then cool. I have a vision for next year of there being like a in real life camp that we can attend, you know, something more like not rough in it, but at like a nice retreat. <laughs> so yeah. um, that is what I'll be focusing on. That's like the big audacious goal for next year is getting an in real life camp. That's cool. Well, I just signed up and <laughs> I encourage everybody listening to as well, newsletter.pmmcamp.com. You know, I don't consider myself a product marketer by any means, but I feel like in order to be a good marketer, like a lot of the things that you're talking about are incredibly important. Totally. Segmentation, uh, research, surveys, messaging, like how can you possibly be a good marketer without without knowing those things? So I'm excited to uh, to dive into that newsletter and check out some of the old issues here. How are you guys, uh, how are you getting new customers or new subscribers? Like how's it growing? Yeah. So my main growth channel is LinkedIn. So I've been a long time LinkedIn writer, continue to write on LinkedIn. I try every day and, you know, it really is a balance, right? Because I want to be there genuinely providing value. And so, um, but I also have a business now. And so for me, it's always like, what percentage of my content can just be very uh, value-driven content versus where do I go in with a call to action or where do I um, you know, put a little pitch in for a product. But that is where the majority of my subscribers come from or uh, conferences. So I have been doing a lot of speaking, again, speaking something I'm super passionate about. 
And that's a great way for me to meet other marketers, product marketers, product managers who want to be involved in PMM camp in some way. And so usually find people that way. But very focused. It's all organic growth right now. I haven't put like any paid efforts behind the business yet. Cool. Well, it seems like you got something that people want because uh, it sounds like you're growing and I'm sure you're going to get quite a few followers and uh, some newsletter subscribers and maybe even some community members on the wait list from this yeah. recording too. Yeah, that'd be great. So thank you for coming today. This has been really awesome and really informative. And to be honest with you, like, you know, I mean, I I know what product marketing is. I thought I did. And, I, and so you've confirmed some things for me here today, but also uh, taught me some new stuff and inspired me, frankly, because I think that taking some some of these plays from a product marketer's book could make regular marketers much, much better. I love that. Yeah, no, I love talking about product marketing and helping like advocate for it, not just within product marketers, but within other functions. So it's been amazing. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, cool. So you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, let's rock and roll. This first one might be easy for you, but if you were to start a side hustle, what side hustle would that be? Okay, it's well, like I can't excuse my act, but was like, already started I'm going to a new hustle. one because I am like, I'm such a builder. I actually have like a long list of businesses I want to build. But the one that I'm most passionate about right now is I want to build a Greek donut shop. So Ooh, <laughs> my boyfriend okay. is Greek. We love Lucamades, which are like Greek donuts. And I want to build like a Lucamade donut shop here in Vancouver, kind of on the beach. Uh, so that's something that we keep playing around with. Nice. All right. That's that's a first for sure. <laughs> but I like it. And number two is top three books, authors, influencers. It could be even be newsletters or podcasts that you like. Just like where do you get some of the most impactful information that you have read? Yeah. That's a good one. Um, I would say my very favorite newsletter that I read beyond my own, of course, <laughs> is James Clear's newsletter. It's like the three, two, one. He's the one that wrote Atomic Habits. Love that book. But the newsletter, I think, is even better. And there's not a week that goes by that I don't read it and share it with at least someone in my life. Yeah, um, that's awesome. The other one I would say is anything by Ryan Holiday. So when I started to really think about what do I want for my life? Um, do I want this corporate path or do I want something else? I really got into stoicism and all of the Ryan Holiday books. And I think they do a really great job of blending, you know, business and personal and just really hitting on that like purpose part of it, which it matters to all of us. And I think also tons of lessons that we can use as marketers or business folk as well. Um, third one. Hmm. I think the other one I'll say, again, I feel like none of these are great product marketing ones, but just they have influenced me in some way is Brene Brown. So um, again, love everything that Brene Brown has built, but I could not have built the business I've built right now without really learning about the power of vulnerability. Because I think growing up, especially being like fairly young in my career, but being successful, I felt like I often had like a shell on, you know, or I had a certain persona that I had to lean into. And when I started to really be vulnerable and authentic and ask for help, show people who I really am, didn't always have to be perfect every day. That was when things really changed for me in my career and my connections. And so I think those are lessons I try to think about every day as well. Awesome. 
Yeah, you know, um, the first two I've never heard of. I'm excited to check those out. Brene Brown, of course, I have heard of, um, but not before this pod. So I had probably like in the last three months, I've had probably three or four different guests. And you, she was third for you, but for a lot of them, it's like right off the bat, Brene Brown. She's amazing, honestly. So, I mean, yeah, have you watched awesome. the Netflix special? Her, that's great. It's like a great way into Brene Brown, I find. No, I haven't. I'll check that out though. Highly recommend. But yeah, you have to you have to subscribe to the three two one by James Clear. You're gonna love it. I just know that you will. Um, and then you okay. can come back with me in a few weeks and tell me that you've sent it to like twenty other people. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll definitely do that. And I just signed up for your newsletter too. Amazing. Great. And I like the um I like the little survey that you have on the thank you page. That's really smart. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Targeting, segmentation. Yeah, right. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much here, Tamara. Um stay on the line for just one second as we wrap up. But for everybody who's listening, if you learned anything here today or if you laughed a little bit, drop us a like or a comment, share it with a friend, or give us a five star review wherever you get your pods. We really do appreciate that. And Tamara, uh, for folks that want to learn more about you or PMM Camp, where would you direct them? Yeah, the best place to go is pmmcamp.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn at Tamara Germinsky. I'm the only person in the world with my name, so you will find me. That's um, be, those yeah. are the two places where I am the most, so uh, you can't go wrong there. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you again. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Ooh, I had the and, best time. Yeah, we'll see you again soon. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, Web Mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free. Fill out the two-minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free. No hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.